What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Pivot Podcast with another episode. Our guest today is a dear friend of mine. He's a physical therapist, more specifically, a center therapy director in Il Segundo. He graduated from Pacific University at Hillsboro with a doctorate degree in physical therapy. He graduated from the University of California, Riverside with a political science degree with a minor. He's athletic, plays sports. He invests in the stock market during his free time. And overall, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's a good friend. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. I mean, how's <laughs> it going? That's a great intro. I mean, I was like, wow, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even know I did all that. <laughs> it's a great intro because you actually have a lot to talk about and a lot to do. Man. That's why I wanted you on this podcast. You know, when I was thinking about doing this, like you were kind of one of the people I was uh, thinking about. Like what we're going to talk about during this podcast, you've gone through a good journey. And I think a lot of people want to hear that. I'm happy to have you here. It's good to catch up with you. I haven't, I mean, we talked, you know, here and there, but. I mean, since uh, UCR and then you went to Southwestern and yeah. you saw me and then <laughs> don't catch up, it's crazy, right? And, and now your podcast, this dude is doing like big things and that's just awesome, brother. Appreciate it, man. Um, so how's like, how's COVID treating you? I know there's this quarantine going on again. There's some lockdown, you know, we're going to talk about how you're in the, you know, health field, but how's it, how's it going with you? At home, COVID's been, it's, it's been kind of crazy lately. Uh, because, you know, COVID's pretty much like almost like a hot topic for a lot of people. There are people who believe in COVID. There are people who don't believe in COVID and people who wear masks and don't wear masks. And it's just been a hot topic. But for me at home, I mean, we follow the guidelines. And you know, as a healthcare professional, <laughs> I need to wear a mask, right? But what's interesting is that a lot of us have been shut down and locked down. What I've kind of found is that people miss human interaction. And here in Irvine, where I'm living at, I've actually, the past couple months, I've made more friends than I've had in the last, like, two, three years. Just because, you know, me and my girlfriend, we, we live in Irvine, and we follow guidelines, but we walk around because you can't sit in your house for, like, six hours and then uh-huh. watch Netflix. There's only so much Netflix you can do. And right? you're an active so, guy, man. Yeah, and the gyms are closed. So, I mean, there was a point in time where the gyms opened, and even then it was only outdoor gyms. And so wear a mask, but at the same time, you're still kind of nervous. So, you know, I've been trying to do outdoor workouts, but it's just not the same, you know, being in a gym and in the weights. But at work, it's, it's been pretty crazy. Can you elaborate on that? Like how it's kind of been? So, so at work, I work, you know, so I work at a, an urgent care um, facility uh, for workmen's comp. And so a lot of our patient population are people who get hurt at work and then they come to us and then they get seen by the doctor and seen by me. But the thing is, it's like, you're always going to go to work and you're always a little nervous, right? Because you don't know who these people are. And we do our best to screen people and make sure that everyone's safe. Um, but with the whole COVID and, you know, people not going to work, um, for me, it's been kind of crazy just because I had to furlough. So I'm a center director at my clinic and I have to furlough like a couple people. And oh, wow. so all of their workload goes on to me. So I've pretty oh. much been working like crazy. Um, trying to keep the clinic alive. So, I mean, there's the big difference between, you know, therapists and, and health professionals. You have people who have been overworked and other people who don't go to work anymore because they, they've been furloughed. I was going to say, what's your thought process on how it's been going with COVID and, you know, like the future of like how everything will be treated and, you know, even with your work, what's your thoughts on that? I don't know, man. It's, that's, that's hard to say. It's just because this whole COVID era has definitely changed people, I would say. And it has been a very big political kind of ordeal um, around, you know, the U.S. And so I, I really can't say much about like where this is all going to go. I mean, being on lockdown for, for quite a bit and uh, not seeing anybody, you know, and not seeing your family and your friends. I mean, that 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 really changes a lot of people's mindsets about you know you're just you and, and the people around you i've seen people you know in the in in the emergency room and the clinics where you have people patients who have covid but they can't see their grandkids or they can't see their their family because they're closed off um i know for myself my, my dad passed away a couple couple months ago and um he had he didn't have covid unfortunately he died of, uh, of lung cancer but he was in the hospital and I couldn't even go into the hospital to go see him. I'm so sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, man. And it's okay. You know, I, I've dealt with it. 
but like I said, I just can't imagine like how this is really going to change everybody because everybody's been changed one way or another. It's good to hear though. It's good to hear that you have a perspective on it and how you're still striving during this time. And, you know, I appreciate the giving, giving, giving me your time to do this. So growing up, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in downtown LA, like um, close to Staples Center, but not like the high rise, like bougie type of like mm-hmm. town. I lived in the ghetto, man. <laughs> where, where, in, where, where in downtown though? Like specifically? Like, like you know, if you, do you know where MacArthur Park's at? Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, I like live literally two blocks away from MacArthur Park. So, oh, really? I mean, if you wanted a fake ID, if you want crack cocaine, you can go to my neighborhood and you'd, uh, <laughs> you can find it there. I mean, literally my apartment that I lived in, like the, the, the house in front of us or across the street was a crack house. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I lived poor. Like, I mean, I, I didn't live a luxurious lifestyle. I didn't live middle class. I mean, my parents came from the Philippines and they tried to make a life for themselves. And then interesting, interestingly enough, what I found out about my neighborhood, that my neighborhood, MacArthur Park, in the 60s, used to be what you would think Hollywood was nowadays. Right. See. But then, you know, with the whole introduction of crack cocaine, that area just kind of went downhill really quickly. And so, um, yeah, so I, my, my, my family stayed there. I, my whole family stayed over there. And uh, my mom was like a homemaker. So she, you know, she did work here and there, mm-hmm. but she wanted to be a homemaker just to be with her kids. Yeah. You know, that was the big thing with Filipino families. It's like family's a big thing. Right. And she yeah. wanted to make sure that she instills her values in her kids. So she stayed home while my dad was a breadwinner. But, and you know, unfortunately my dad, you know, me uh, being, you know, coming from the Philippines and come over here, um, it's tough for a lot of Filipinos back in the day to find jobs, right? And yeah. so my dad, you know, did what he can to find jobs, but it was hard. And we didn't live, you know, luxurious. We didn't live a middle-class lifestyle. We, 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 we struggled day to day. Is it just, um, is it just you or you, did you have siblings? So I'm, I have two siblings. I'm the middle child. I'm the only boy in the family. And, okay. and I have an older sister and, and a younger sister. So my older sister is about four years older. And I have a younger sister that's two years younger than me. Wow. Um, so three kids, three kids. Your mom's taking care of all three of you. Your dad's, you know, working some jobs, trying to make it. And you're, you're, you're kind of living in that area. So kind of tell me how, you know, growing up, like what influences did your parents give you you know, just living in that area, what, what did they teach you that you kind of like resonated with you? Um, well, so for me, what my parents taught me was, you know, family and family is a big thing. Basically, you got to love each other and you watch out for each other. Right. So, I mean, that's one thing that instilled in all of us, um, having a good work ethic. And my parents were really big on like, I want you to have an education. That was yeah. a big thing. All Filipinos, you know, uh-huh, like, definitely you got to go to school. I want you to have an education. I'm not here struggling so you can go and lounge around and, and, and whatnot, right? Um, but unfortunately for me, I didn't really realize that until I got older. So I was the trouble child, <laughs> you can say. I was, a, <laughs> I was a dark horse. It's crazy because I hung out with the wrong crowds. I, honestly, I wasn't even supposed to go to college. I let really? alone, I didn't even think I was going to graduate high school. Yeah, I mean, like, I literally was, like, out on the street. I was literally just hanging out with with all of my gangster friends, I thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, oh man, I feel like all the, I feel like a badass. I was like, you know, hang out with all these gangsters. I'm cool. I'm going to, I'm going to go sell drugs and I'll be cool and make some money. How did that kind of come about? Like, was it just people like hanging around in your neighborhood or did you like, did you like kind of meet people in like, like wherever so, you were living or how did that kind of come in fruition? Well, so, I mean, in my neighborhood, it was a lot of like, so we had a lot of gang rivalry. And um, where my neighborhood was at, it was um, primarily people from 18th Street. You've heard of 18th Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and all those other gangs. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of walked, you know, hung around with some of those people, got associated, um, got involved with that. And, you know, I thought it was the coolest lifestyle. Um, and then as I kind of grew up and, and was in high school, I mean, a lot of stuff happened where it kind of opened my eyes, you know, and, and mm-hmm. luckily enough, I've had people who wanted, who saw a lot of things in me for some reason and wanted more for me that they actually convinced me and <laughs> kind of threatened me to not <laughs> live that lifestyle 
and um, and wanted me to pursue the like actually get the education and graduate. And so, you know, there are a couple things that happened throughout that time. A lot of bad stuff happened, and that really opened my eyes to to really turn my life around and and graduate high school. Like I said, I was barely graduating high school, man. Like I didn't care about school at that time. Did your parents? <laughs> did your parents ever? Like, did they kind of influence you on what? you kind of want, would want to be in the future did they yeah i mean so um so my parents of course they wanted us to be professionals have careers you know they wanted me to be an attorney because my dad's brother in the philippines he's a well-renowned like uh, litigation attorney out there um you know and he's made it big and so they were hoping that i'd be the next attorney in the family you still, so have, ta- you still have time pretty much was in the back of my head but honestly i i just wanted to kind of you know graduated high school, and I didn't even think I was going to go to college, um, let alone, I didn't even know, I was surprised when I got into UCR, like, UCR nowadays is, like, very prestige, it's, it, it's come up from, like, the decade you and me were there, um, it has a medical school, it's, like, everybody talks about UCR, I was like, oh, man, it's hard to get a UCR, well, back in the day, okay, I'll be honest, I, I graduated with, like, a two-point-something, and uh-huh. I was, like, I'll go to community college and I, and then, you know, my mom was like, just try applying apply to UCR and to other places. And surprisingly enough, I got to UCR. <laughs> it's like, oh crap. Okay, cool. Let me, let me go to UCR. And my cousin went to UCR as well. So I figured, you okay. know what, I go to UCR, I'll have my cousin there. I'll have someone that I know and it'll be all good. Like in high school, did you, is it just because you didn't like studying or what was, what was it about like school that you just weren't interested about it, I'm not a great test taker. I wasn't, I, I didn't have any kind of aspirations at that time. You know, I was the kind of person that I was like, think about the now, like literally as I was growing up, all I was thinking about is how do I survive to the next day? I was going to ask you straight up, like how, what's your thought process of, you know, living in a neighborhood where you kind of have to, you're, you're, you're kind of struggling or you have yeah. to make it that day for the audience who don't, kind of know that lifestyle can you can you kind of just take me through that i mean and that's crazy that's that's pretty deep i mean it, it is kind of crazy where i was growing up because it's one of those things where like as a male and you know as someone who was trying to get into that lifestyle of like all the gangs and all the drugs and all that stuff and try to party and have a good time really being in a neighborhood where gang rivalry really differs not just like in territory, but like even just streets. So like if you walk down the wrong street and you walk down the wrong color and someone asks you, hey, where are you from? It, it, your, your mindset's always like, I, you're always alert. Like that's the thing, you're, you're watching your back. I've gotten jumped, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've had to get into a lot of fights. I've gotten guns pointed at me. I've had knives, you know, all that stuff. And, and it really takes a toll on you uh, stress-wise. But for some reason, that's all I could think about when I was growing up is I just got to survive. Right. So yeah. it was one of those things where it's like either me or them and I wanted to live. So, you know, the best thing to do is you can't do it alone. So you really got to have some type of association. You got to have some, some allies, some friends. And even that right there can, can really do damage because you're not really trustworthy of a lot of people. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Cause you gotta, it's, 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 it's one of those things where like, yeah, we're friends, but how truly are you my friend? Cause you know, mm. pe- people backstab each other, you yeah. know, everyone's out for their own. Like, yeah, you're my friend. I got your back. But when push comes to shove, like if it's me or you, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be you. You're, you're going to try to survive. There really wasn't a thought process as I was, as I went to high school, there wasn't a thought process or there wasn't aspirations of like, I want to be, a doctor. I want to be an attorney. For me, I didn't really take school seriously when I was in high school. Like I said before, I, I really just wanted to party and, and I, I just loved the lifestyle of just having fun. But as I kind of, you know, got around other people and as I had people who were fortunate enough to kind of want more for me than what I wanted for myself, it really kind of changed that pace of, okay, maybe I should do more for myself. I should finish high school. I should go to to college. And even then I was still resistant. I still wasn't like really keen on it. And I was like, okay, this is just things that we're conditioned to do. Like, this is what we're expected to do. Go to school, get an education, get a mm-hmm. career. If you don't get a career, go back to school, get more schooling, yeah. get a profession, work until you're 65 and then retire and then live your life. That was the mindset of that. I feel like we were all conditioned to do. So 100%. I kind of wanted to get out of that and just 
do me. I was like, 100%. I don't care about that. I just want to have fun right now. And as a kid, when you're, you know, you're 14, 15, you don't really care. You don't really think about what am I want to do in 10 years? That, that never 100%. Really I'm on the same boat. When, when I was in high school, I, I think it was until my junior year when I realized like, Hey, I need to actually step it up a little bit so I can get to somewhere. We kind of are cut from the same cloth. I mean, that mindset of, you know, the now, right? Not really thinking about, you know, what, what consequences there are if we don't study. And, and I, I feel you on that, my friend. Uh, it's called the Pivot Podcast. So this, there's a lot of pivots going on. So you get to UCR, but at UCR, and, you know, I, I've known you for a while now. And at UCR, you know, you're always smiling. You, you pretty much t- can talk to anyone and anywhere. Um, great personality. So did you kind of have that same mindset from when you were growing up to when you were at UCR or were you able to, you know, change it up? So I, the personality I had when you saw me at UCR was not the personality, personality that I had when I was in high school or when I was growing up, man, because I, I was definitely afraid of people. <laughs> really? No way. I, 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 I cannot believe that. I couldn't, I, like, because I, the thing is when you're growing up, you're very cautious about who you're who you're with right i was not that much trustworthy i wasn't outspoken i I was in the shadows and you know watching my back and i wasn't you know i I had fun and and whatnot i guess like my personality of just wanting to have fun was there but to be friendly and warm-hearted and and whatnot that wasn't me i I would walk around the street and you couldn't have that kind of attitude walking down the street like happy-go-lucky they'd be like what's wrong with this fool right (laughs) personality now is like you, I could throw you in like the middle of nowhere and you can find your way back because you'd be able to talk to anyone. And so kind of go through kind of college and how it was for you. You graduated with a political science degree with a minor in business. So kind of tell me what was your thought process? Dude, it was an eye opener, man. <laughs> like it was, it was like, yeah, when I got to UCR, I mean, so I kind of knew what college was all about a little bit because my sister went to USC. So okay. I kind of partied with her at SD when I was a teenager. So I kind of had a sense of what was going on. And um, it was a big um, eye opener too, because um, now you're on your own. I was on my own, you know, I was up in the dorms, I was meeting people and still it took a lot to kind of change my, my, my personality. Cause again, I, I, I felt like I wanted to change myself cause I was tired of, how I was when I was growing up and it's so stressful trying to be a gangster and trying to be hard in it. Do you remember when you were like, you know what, I'm tired of just doing this switching or was it gradual? I think it was more gradual, but there was a point where really, I, I think I just wanted to really just change myself and, and be a little bit more open. And I wanted to be liked. that's the thing. I, I just wanted to be liked. So I started, I started doing self-help books. Like I would read, about like, awesome. how do I converse with people? How do I, you know, what, what makes people think, what, what, what makes people talk to me, right? And so I started reading books about social, being social. I wanted to be a little bit more happy. So instead of being this whole hard ass that I was when I was a teenager, I just wanted to figure out how do I make friends? That's the big thing. Because when I was in high school, I didn't really have a lot of friends and I wasn't trustworthy. And I was actually bullied when I was, when, when I was you know, mm. younger. So I just figured, UCR and being college was a whole new thing now. Like, like I can change my whole, my whole ways. I can change my whole like destiny and just be more of a happy go lucky guy and make more friends. Right. Slowly I kind of just changed myself and kind of learned how to be better and it worked, but it did work. I mean, you know, like I said before, like every time I would see you, you know, crossing paths, you would either be talking to someone or you, you knew someone or we would be hanging out. You were doing political science. Did you want to become an attorney or what was your kind of thought on doing that major? So political science is based because um, of the whole ordeal that my family thought I wanted to be the next attorney, right? Also, I got in trouble with the law a couple of times. So I figured I know what the law is about. That's Uh interesting to learn about. So I figured, you know, I'm going to go with the law school. I'll do political science. So I did that and really, I, I really did like political science, like reading about laws, reading about, you know, just, just history and preparing myself for law school. That was a whole goal of mine. But then, you know, I was caught up in the whole having fun in UCR. I'm, I'm not going to lie for all the, the listeners out there. Yeah, uh, Jay and I, we, we 
You partied, you partied. a good match. Get him out. <laughs> but I knew though that I knew that you were in political science because we had a couple of classes together, I believe. Yeah. But like you were saying, that was your your mindset was to go to law school because of kind of what your parents were interesting in you and but so how was your plan were you did you have like a detailed plan or was it yeah that was the whole plan i mean it was go to go to ucr um get a political science degree and then also for all the listeners out there i'm kind of embarrassed to say this but finish your degree in four years because i literally finished my degree in five because um i took a minor and i also wanted to party for another year before before adulting so so for all the listeners um finish your degree in four because it'll cost you less headache less debt (laughs) but that's the whole plan the whole plan for me was to graduate um ucr and then go to law school and then become an attorney and then start living my life and then having a career that was the whole plan and that really didn't pan out as you can tell at this point in time I did finish and I did get my political science degree and whatnot I did do the LSATs and studied for that and I did apply to a couple of law schools and got accepted but at some point through the process I kind of really thought things through and is this what I really want to do for the next 20 and 30 years and for some odd reason it just didn't jive with me. I just wasn't too certain, too sure about doing this for 30 years. So I really just dropped the, I just dropped law school altogether. Um, and I figured, you know, if I was going to go back and nothing pan out, I can always go back to law yeah. school and finish up and, and still be an attorney. But something inside of me during this whole process of doing law school, it, it, it just kind of changed me. And, and I didn't think that I could do that for the next 30 years until my retirement. You were saying though, like before you had that plan. And then when you were really thinking about it, you asked yourself, would you want to do this for 30 years? And I think that's a good question to ask. Like not many people do what you do. Not many people really think about whether they should be a lawyer or not. People go through, they graduate, they prep, they take the LSAT, they apply, they get into law school. You got into law school and people usually just go and they get, they, they end up turning into lawyers and become miserable because they didn't want to do it. Was it just the type of thing that you asked yourself constantly and then you was getting the answer? It was something that was always on the back of my head because I mean, really the goal in my life that I wanted was I wanted to, I wanted to live a life of, cause I live poor. So I was like, what's going to give me the most bang for my buck. And I thought, you know, if I become an attorney, I can do corporate law and make tons of money. But what I realized now is that if, when you're professional, a doctor or an attorney or anything like that, you actually lose a lot of time because you make a lot of money, but you lose a lot of time, you know? And, and so I kind of thought to myself, and I also thought about like my personality, like I'm very outgoing. Um, I, you know, you know me, I, I was bodybuilding. I was you know, yeah. doing all that stuff. So I wanted to do something active. And I didn't think that I could really do being an attorney and, and sitting down and reading cases case by case I wasn't I wasn't a good book reader like even when I was doing political science it was it was a struggle because of all the essays and all the reading you had to do at some point like in the beginning I was like okay this I just have to accept this like this is what I have to go through to do it but as I kept thinking and kept asking myself I was like do I really want to do this I really want to do this and so it wasn't that I really dropped law school I just figured let me see if there's anything else out there and if there isn't I'll go back to law school and finish that up and just accept it, right? So I gave myself an out a little bit of like, let me just see what else is out there. And if it wasn't for me and I just couldn't find anything, I had a fallback plan was, I already got accepted to law school. I yeah. just, I can get accepted again, it's fine. And I can finish up and it's only three years, right? No, as I say, that's such a great mindset, man. Like I, not many people do that. Not many people say, you know what, let me see what else is out there for me. Cause I like hearing the fact that you knew like maybe this is not the best for me right now. Right. But you have it. You have it there just in case. Like Yeah. So like why not take that chance or see what else is out there for you? So let's go with the thought that so after thinking about it and not, you know, like and having law school maybe in the back of your mind now. So what happened what happened next? So I, when I dropped law school, I was I didn't have a job. So I was like staying at home. <laughs> I was at home with my parents and I really was trying to, I was working like odd jobs. One of the jobs I worked, I worked for was basically I would take uh, law documents. I would just scan them and then for cases. And then I would just be there and scan and scan and scan. And, and 
at some point they were I was working overtime and they wouldn't pay me overtime and then I was like you know what forget this I quit <laughs> and then I I was doing other jobs I was uh, I was doing personal training and then finally I, I I connected with a friend and I was looking for a job still so she's like hey we have an opening so she got me a job as an office assistant at Southwestern and because I knew her I got the job and I worked as an office assistant for maybe like three months and yeah they knew I did technology and I, I was pretty good at it I, I built my own computers so that's when I got promoted to be an AVIT specialist for the law school and I just worked that for the four years I was there with you know and you, and I saw you there too right yeah. <laughs> back up so I was doing that uh, and I was still trying to find myself what is it I'm gonna do so I really did think about okay maybe I want to go into the medical field because I really did like you know bodybuilding I really like personal training but I also looked at it as like, what's going to make me the most money, right? Like I need, I want something that makes good money. And so being a doctor was what kind of captivated me because I love kinesiology. I love the body. I love training. And I was like, well, medical field is a great ordeal or a great pivot for me. Yeah. So let's go the medical route. But when I thought about it again, I was really in my mid twenties and I was mid twenties, you know, 26, whatnot. And I was like, well, if I go to med school, I still have to go back to school and I have to do four years and then I still have to do residency. And then I thought about it. and I was like, if I become a doctor, I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon or an ER doctor. Yeah. So I was like, that's going to take another like five, six years. And I won't make any money until I'm like my late forties and I'm <laughs> going to die retirement with nothing. You know, like I was like thinking about all these things. And uh, finally I was like, you know what, uh, let me look at physical therapy. Right. Because my ex-girlfriend at the time was doing PA and she kind of brought up like the whole um, idea of like, you know, why don't you think about physical therapy? And I was like, oh, OK, well, what's, I didn't even know what a physical therapist was at that time. I was like, what the hell is a physical therapist? Yeah, right? yeah. So I researched and I researched and researched. And what I found is it was like basically an upgrade to a personal trainer. But yeah. no, but, but, but that's what I thought at that yeah. time. Now, what I, as I, what I know about physical therapists, man, I'm like, I feel godly. But it, as I looked at physical therapy, I, I saw that it was only like three years to get into or three years to finish. And I still can get the doctor prestige behind it, right? Do yeah. something with my life and, and have that doctor behind me. So I was like, you know what? I'll do physical therapy. I started to find mentors. So I actually volunteered nice. at a couple places. I wanted to see what it's all about. So I went to a private clinic. I worked at the most renowned rehab hospital that there is is Rancho Los Amigos. So anybody who's a physical therapist or anybody who does neuro, they, we, they know what Rancho Los Amigos is. It's one of those well-renowned um, hospitals that everybody goes to to get treated. The most serious cases go there. And lucky enough, I got I was able to volunteer and you know be in, in the center of it all and got to see what, what that's all about. And as I kind of immersed myself in that in that realm, I started to love it. I was like, oh yeah, this is something I could totally do, right? The sad part about it is that I I didn't have any of the like the science courses yeah. cool because all I had was political science and business yeah. and I couldn't do anything. <laughs> that can only take you so far. You know what, I, I wanted to ask you, so at that time when you were you know, doing odd jobs, let's say, and yeah. you know, when you were at Southwestern, like was there any point where you were like, I think, I, I think I've given this enough time let me go back. Was there any kind of thought like that or no? No, because the thing is, when I decided that physical therapy was what I was going to do, it was like locked and loaded. Like oh, really? I became that outcome focused person. Like I need to, get, I, I'm going to be a physical therapist, right? Okay. Because of course, like when I looked at physical therapy and I started researching, it just became more appealing to me and more appealing and more appealing that the whole law school appeal started to fade and disappear mm. and disappear. Even though I was immersed in the whole law school thing is what's, I think what, what, what was, what did it for me. And don't get me wrong. I think yeah. law school and I think attorneys and I think the profession is great. But for me, conversing with a lot of students, I, I conversed with a lot of attorneys. I made a lot of friends. But as I kind of immersed myself in the law school ordeal and in, in the law realm, it just wasn't, appeal it started becoming less appealing for me, right? Yeah. Physical therapy became more appealing. So I became more outcome focused. And I was like, I need to become a, a, a physical therapist. That's so great. it didn't really matter what the process had to be. I just knew I had to be flexible with the process of what I had to do to become a physical therapist. That's awesome, man. You know, I didn't know how focused you were on, once you knew about physical therapy, you're just ready to go. 
So I so kind of want to piggyback on what you were saying. Like it's gonna you got you have to take more classes, take actually science classes. So how did that go? I, but that this is completely this is a true pivot because you went from politics, law to medicine. Like this is the body, and kind of tell me how that went. Yeah. So I mean, so I was still working full time at Southwestern, not at all, and I knew that I had to I had to take courses. So I started taking night courses at a community college. Now, a community college at a four-year, four-year university, it's a totally different realm. Like, just the feel of it's all different. I didn't really care. I, I wanted to become a physical therapist. So for the past, like, three to four years, I was as I was working at Southwestern, I was going to night school um, and taking these science courses, physics, calculus, you know, kinesiology, all that stuff. Um, and at the same time, I was still taking personal training calls. I was still personal training at the time. And then I started doing MMA and um, Muay Thai, and I started fighting amateurly. So I had a lot on my plate. <laughs> How were you able to do all that, though? Because I was so in love with MMA and Muay Thai that I, I made sure that I, I included it in my day. And then I took personal training because I needed more money. So I kept my clients. Um, I had my full-time job, and I knew that I had to become a physical therapist, so I had to take night school. So for some reason, when you're very goal-oriented, yeah. You're going to make time and you're going to make sure that you make time for the things you want to do. So I, I, I made it all work. Yes, there were some sacrifices that I had to yeah. do. I, had, I, I didn't get a lot of sleep. Um, I had to study. Uh, I also had a girlfriend at that time, too. I, I didn't even know how I did it. Question, not about the ex-girlfriend, but about you <laughs> juggling all this, right? It doesn't seem like you were, I mean, you're a goal-oriented person, but did that just kind of start gradually happening? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Southwestern and, and work there, and then take night classes, and then do MMA and do training. Did that just kind of start happening, or was that always kind of like your mindset? I'm gonna no, it just kind of happened, man. It just happened. Like I was, I, I went to, I went to uh, Southwestern. So I first did that, and then I added on top. I wanted more. I need more money because the salary that I was getting there was okay, but yeah. it wasn't like I wasn't living a, a lifestyle I'm living at, like, like I am now. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I need more money. And plus, I needed more money to pay for these classes because I was like, where am I going to get the cash from, right? Because I had just bought a, a, a car. Um, I was paying off my school debt from UCR. Um, I was trying to uh, help out my, my, my family with, with finances, yeah. definitely. So I took more clients. I was taking personal training. And then as I went through the whole motion, I found Muay Thai and MMA. And I loved it because of fitness. And I just wanted to fight like I, yeah. I I did for fitness at first and then later on I started getting kind of good at it and then even my coach was like hey do you want to do you want to fight like do you want to test yourself and I was like yeah why not right yeah. I started doing that and then I, I also knew that I had to you know go to night classes so I just really kind of it just kind of came onto my plate and I knew I just had to juggle it because I loved everything way too much that I was so that passion that you have yeah. why screw sacrificing it if I could put it in my schedule why not, right? You take your night classes, and at some point you're ready to apply for being a doctor of physical therapy, going to school technically. Was that something new for you? How did that go? The application process is just the same thing as you would do for law school, right? It's just okay. a, lot of, um, a lot of paperwork. You do have to take the GREs, and um, so I take the LSAT and, at one point, and now I'm taking the GREs at another point. So I'm just studying, man. Like, I, I don't even know how I did all of this, but you have to take the GREs. <laughs> Um, and the thing is too, is for me, I'm not a great test taker. So I knew I had to shine some way somehow. So I figured my personality and what I had to go through would be a great you know, thing yeah. on paper. And I was just hoping that some physical therapy school would take me. And so I took the GREs, I applied to physical therapy school and I got waitlisted on oh, yeah. several, like, I think I, I think I, I, I applied to like eight for the first year and I got waitlisted for the entire year and I didn't get anywhere. So it literally took me two years to get into PT school. And the second time I did it, I took the GREs again because the score sucked, right? I took praying. Yeah. Like, is, it, is it like, you know how there's a lot of law schools out there and there's also like tier law schools where it kind of seems to me like, and I think from my brief knowledge of PT school, that there's not that many schools. So you don't have the luxury of like applying 50, one's gonna take you, right? It's it's very it's a dime a dozen, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's not a lot of very, there's not a lot of PT schools around, uh, and if there is, 
the class sizes are very small. So the average class size is anywhere between 35 to like 60 students. Jeez. Compared to law school where Southwestern, you had like 250 200? students. I don't know how I pulled this off, but I had really good grades for my prereqs. Like when I took science courses, I actually loved the science courses more than I loved my political science courses. 3.9 coming off of my science courses, which kind of helped bump me up. Mm-hmm. But even then, I was still stuck with the wait list. So the next year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just like apply to everything. That's I applied good. to That's like 20 plus schools, man. Like, I saved up like a couple thousand dollars and I just started applying. And people were like, that's dumb. Don't do that. Like, you got to be strategic. Not when, ti- not when your time is like limited. Yeah. Like, I was going like, to ask you, was, was there any, were you ever discouraged though after the first time around? Well, when I didn't get accepted the first time, I thought about how can I increase my chances? That's the thing. Like nice. it, was, it wasn't like discouraging. Like, yeah, in the beginning, like for a brief second, I was like, Man, I didn't get anywhere. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it. How can I increase my chances better? You know what? Forget it. I'm going to apply to everything. And I'm just going to, you know, keep, keep finishing up my courses, get good grades, take the GREs. The crazy thing too, was that the school I got accepted to, which is Pacific University, didn't even look at my GREs. Really? <laughs> Yeah, they were they were like one of like a few schools that don't look at your GREs. What they do, they look at you as a holistic fashion. You know, they look at like your background, they look at your grades. But I mean, in my opinion, um, GREs don't really tell you much about how well of a physical physical therapist you're going to be. Yeah, like, 100%. Because they don't tell a person holistically how well you're going to be in a certain profession. So what I appreciate about Pacific was they looked at me and they looked at my trait, what, what was I able to accomplish, how I've been able to persevere, and they accepted me at that point the second year. Um, I didn't apply to Pacific the first time because wow. I had missed a deadline, but I'm, but I'm grateful that they took me in because when I got in, I was like ecstatic. I was like, all right, I, 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 got, I got in, and this is like the start of my journey. Where, and so where, where is Pacific? That's in Oregon, right? That's in Oregon and it's in Hillsboro. So Forest Grove is where, like, so Pacific University has their four, their original campus, their university in Forest Grove, mm-hmm. and then their their professional medical um, healthcare professional um, campus is in Hillsboro, which is like the suburbs of uh, of Oregon, and it's probably about maybe like twenty to twenty five minutes away from Portland. Okay. Um, so, and so how was so how was that like move from i mean you're a downtown la boy how was moving to to oregon how was that a change of pace while while actually studying and trying to become a physical therapist you know in the beginning it was exciting man i i i i, I literally was thinking okay you know what like i'm gonna be in a new city i'm gonna be meeting new people i'm gonna be seeing new things and genuinely genuinely i was like just excited to just like leave California, you know, because yeah. a lot of my friends that at that time, a lot of them were just like, Oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to go to school like in California, be close to my friends and yeah. family. And none of them wanted to branch out. I was like, what? Like, why would you not want to go and travel somewhere else and live somewhere else and see other things? And I think like a lot of us are just too comfortable, like uh-huh. in our little comfort zone, being in a new area um, and just through my personality, I, I was just excited to just live somewhere new because I knew it was temporary. That's the thing. And, and you only have one life to live. So I was like, you know what? Oh. I want to have the experience of being somewhere else. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I, how was school? I mean, we could, the prep going to school was a lot. You were able, you had like five things that you named you would do like, let's say in a day. Um, but now you're kind of like in school and you're really just, honing in and focusing on one thing. How was that? It was dreadful, man. (laughs) We're we're, we're cut from the same cloth. I can't, it's hard just to, when you're so used to doing like five things at once and you're doing one thing only now, it's kind of hard, man. But I mean, okay, here's the thing. There's some people who like love going to school and they're like, oh, I love going (laughs) to my professional school, law school, physical therapy school, whatever. There's some people like that, but you and me both, like we both know, it was I don't know about you. I'm not gonna speak for you, but for me, it was dreadful, man. Yeah. Because, really, I mean, again, you have to be outcome focused, right? So, yeah. for someone that is very successful and and want to do great things, you have to be outcome focused, which means like you have to have a goal in mind. Yeah. And you have to be flexible with the process, right? Hundred percent. Doing things, you're doing things that not necessarily feel right, but 
you're doing things that are the right things to do. Because people who are process focused are going, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like it. Yeah. You know, I want to. I, I want to get six pack abs, and I don't want to mm-hmm. go sleep. I don't want to work out when I don't feel like it. Everybody who are process focused, they do the things because they feel like it. But when you're outcome focused, like you and me, professional school is dreadful by far. But mm-hmm. you and me, we're, we were so focus on like, I need to get a degree. I want to get a law school. I want to finish law school. I want to finish PT school. We were willing to go through the mm-hmm. dread, the trenches, you know, the late nights, the late studying, because our focus was like, I need to graduate and I want to get this degree. Right. 100%. And that's the difference between successful people and people who, you know, do more for themselves. You have to be outcome focused. Cause if you keep doing things that feel good you're never going to accomplish anything because when you don't feel like it you're not going to do it and when you're focused on it you're going to do things even though you hate it you know this is this so interesting because you know hearing about your story kind of like where you kind of grew up and how you were you know getting through the day and now having that and also being outcome focused you knew what you wanted to do and how to get it done and although it could have been dreadful and i agree with you 100 percent, the days (laughs) where you just don't want to read don't want to study. I mean, you were in, in a different state. Yeah. How long was school, by the way, was that? So school was like three years. So it's basically for PC school, you um, you do two years didactic, and then you mm-hmm. do a whole year rotations and, and internships. And then, but with my school, I had like, you know, internships kind of spread in, into like the first and second year. And then your third year, you pretty much are just doing a lot of rotations here and there, right? Fortunately enough, what I loved about my school was that once you got past your second year, you were scot free. Finish your rotations, don't mess up, don't don't fall, <laughs> don't make anybody hurt, and just pass. Let's see, you're you're going through the process, it's quite dreadful, but you know you have that beautiful outcome focus perspective. So when you were almost in the tail end of school. Were you thinking about, all right, so I'm going to do this after I'm done or I'm going to stay here? Or what was your thought process of once you started getting to the finish line of, of school and getting your doctorate? Yeah. So, you know, as I got to the tail end of PT school, um, I knew that I was going to go back to California because, you know, especially with the time I had preparing for PT school, I didn't really have a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things that um, I wanted to kind of rekindle was I wanted to spend more time with my, with my dad because my mom had passed away during the time I was going to the process of PT school. And so, you know, I, I was so focused that I didn't really get to spend time with family. So one of my goals was to go back to California, spend time with my dad as much as I can before he, before he passed. And so that was one of my goals after PT school. And fortunate enough, you know, when I was in PT school, I uh, attained my girlfriend. Right? She's, yeah. she's also a therapist and we met in school. We were friends first and we, we started dating. Goal was to become a, uh, a director of sorts because when I was interning or when I had my rotation, one of my clinical instructors was a, was a clinical director. And the money that she was making, I was like, I need to be a clinical director. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, how do you do it? What do I need to do? Tell me what, the, what, what I got to do. Because she was making six figures and I was like, what, 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 how do I do this, right? And so the goal in mind afterwards was I need to start rising up the corporate ladder. So I, you know, my, my mindset was go back, to, go back home, spend time with family, live with my girlfriend, get a job, and then just rise the corporate ladder. Like, and that was my thought process at that time. Like, you know, just, this is so awesome because not many people do, you're done with PT school, people get a job, you know, that's good money, right? Yeah. Like you saw someone that you want that you're like, how do I, how do I get that job? What do I need to do? That, that curiosity, man, like something you always had or was that just as you kept becoming more outcome focused or gradually going in a direction that it just started coming to you? Well, the, the whole goal in life for me was because, you know, I, like I said, you know, in the beginning, I, I didn't grow, grow rich. I didn't grow up with money, right? And so my whole ordeal was I wanted to live a life where I'm comfortable and I never have to worry about money because, you know, if people would say, you know, um, you know, money doesn't make you happy. Well, being broke doesn't make you happy either, right? Yeah. How am I going to make this? Because I, I wanted to have kids, have a family, 
I want to have a house. And in order to do that, you need money, right? So my whole goal is like, how can I make the most money I can? And from what I saw with my, my instructor, I was like, dude, you're making six figures. So I need to know how to make six figures, right? Um, and as I started to get, you know, as I started to become a PT and, you know, do the whole PT thing, I slowly started realizing, dude, all I'm doing is a nine to five job. Like all of us oh, are really? doing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All we're doing is we go wake up, we get ready for work, we go to work, yeah. we go home, we have some time for ourselves, we eat dinner and then we go to sleep and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Yeah. And we do that Monday to Friday. And then, yay, we got Saturday and Sunday yeah. and then all of a sudden to repeat. And we do that for 40, 40 years of our life, yeah. retirement, and then we live our life. I started finding a pattern that way. And I was like, okay, how am I going to, I need to get out of this pattern. So wow. how do I make more money? So one of the things was I need to become a, a, a director of sorts to make six figures. Um, and then I also have to realize like, hey, just working a job is not going to make me, it's not going to make me happy because if I want to spend time with my family, I'm just working a job. So now I need to know how do I take control of time and money? How do I, how do I become financially stable and independent and still have control of my time? Cause don't get me wrong. I love physical therapy, but I also love my time, you know? And that's yeah, why yeah. when people are telling me like, Oh, you have to have a passion and, and, and you have to love what you do. That's true. Love what you do. But you have to understand this. You have to realize and ask yourself, how do you want to live? Because when we're kids, we're always told and asked, what do you want to do? Right? Yeah. That's the question we are always asked. What do you want to do? And what you want to do, you find out what you want to do. Then you go to school for it. Then you're assigned a life of what that, what that career gives you. Not, you don't make a life, you're assigned a life. Exactly. So I, as I, as I kind of gone through this whole growing up process of, you know, really realizing having a career and all that stuff, the question you should be asking yourself is, how do you want to live? And then from that question, you find people that live the lifestyle you want to live and then do what they did, right? So that's how I started, you know, changing the way I was making money. Like, I needed to figure out, the question I had to ask myself, how do I want to live? And the way I want to live is do PT part-time, still heal people, still helping people. But I also want to have time for my kids. I still want to go travel. And you can't do that when you're stuck at a job nine to five. Now. Exactly. I think, I think you're, you're kind of hitting it in the head. Like a lot of people, though, say, hey, you work from nine to five. You have that time from five to whenever to yourself for your kids. Um, you have the weekend, right? But I agree with you 100%, man. I think what, what, what's lost is when you have some, when you have goals that you're hitting, right? And one of those goals is to live on your own time and your own means. And you only could do that kind of when you have the means to do so. What you just said earlier was without like you, people talk about how money, money doesn't make you happy, but being broke doesn't make you happy either. Like, right. Right. So, um, I think a lot of people can understand what you're coming, where you're coming from. And to me, it's at the end, it's the hustle, man. A lot of people get comfortable being your best and you became a physical therapist and you, you now you're a director, right? But the story doesn't end there. Like for you, that story doesn't end, but I get, I get paid and I'm done. Right. Like I see around, it's like, I'm just biding my time. Right. I'm waiting till retirement. But interesting enough, like if you're just stuck and you're just focused on your job, and you're like thinking you're going to live off your 401k. If you want to retire and you want to live a $100,000 salary lifestyle, do you know how much money you should have in your 401k to live a lifestyle of $100,000? You know, I, I could guess, but I, I, I'd rather you give me the answer. What do, you think, what do you think you should have in your bank account? By the time you retire, how much do you think you should have? In my 401k? In you know, my just savings. savings? Savings 401k combined. Somewhere in the... Maybe five million. Two to two point five million to live a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle. But see, I was just trying to exaggerate because I was trying to see how far you were gonna go. And people are like go for one K, but really, if you really want to live and have a good retirement, you have to have different streams of income coming from different places, right? But that's what yeah. I'm saying. You gotta know how you want to live, and then figure out mentors and find people who do it, and just figure out what they do. Doing business ventures, I'm stock trading, and I'm literally trying to make. It, trying to make it so that I can 
not do physical therapy full time and I can do the things and have control of my time, have control of my money. Ask you a couple of questions before we kind of wrap this up. You know, we talked about from the start to, to where you're at right now. If there's someone out there who listens to this and they need advice on, you know, maybe pivoting from living in an inner city, having a difficult time and, you know, going to school, uh, becoming a physical therapist, what advice would you give them? I would say, I love the underdog. Like I, I was an underdog. I love the underdog. I say, if you really are truly, you know, if you know what you want to do and you're set on your career, I mean, don't let anybody else tell you what to do, right? Like stay focused, stay outcome focused. Yes, sometimes it's going to be dreadful. Sometimes you're going you're to be happy with it. But once you're outcome focused, you got to be flexible with the process. So that's the whole ordeal. At the same time, too, the advice I would tell people is really figure out how you want to live, man. Find, find, find those people, find mentors, find people who will definitely, um, you know, take their time and their, their hand and teach you how to do it. Someone's shy and they want to talk to you. Maybe you could be a great mentor. You know, how, how did you go that, go about that? I mean, literally, I mean, you can go around and, you know, immerse yourself in the environment that you, that you want. I mean, honestly, the biggest thing is, I mean, you should ask and you should earn their mentorship because in my opinion, mentorship should never cost you a thing. And my mentors, they never charge me for anything. So if you ever have those people who's like, Hey, buy my program and yeah. you'll be rich. Don't ever do that. A true mentor will never ask you for money. It'll never cost you a thing, but it's not free, right? Yeah. You have to show and earn mentorship from people and show them that you're a worthy investment of their time and energy. People who really are successful want to have a life of significance and impact, yeah. right? Once you make it big and you have money, that's cool. But what else are you going to do? What other yeah. purpose do you have in your life? So you got to find people who have that success and you have to earn their respect and earn their mentorship and they will give their time and their hand to you, but you have to earn it and they're willing to do it because they want to be impactful on people, but they're not going to just give it to you for free, right? Because you're, you're gaining perspective. You're not, your mentors are not telling you what to do. You know, this is how you should do it. What you're really finding is perspective, right? You want someone to... Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, what do you, what's your thoughts on this, right? I want to thank you for your time, man. You literally yeah, opened up my eyes of just your story about starting from where you were to going to UCR and meeting me and, you know, going through that period where you thought you were set maybe being a lawyer, but there are certain times where you just got to pivot and you put in the right direction, man. To everyone out there listening, take his advice and see where you can go from there. I'm proud to be your friend. And I mean, I'm going to use, you know, the advice that you've given throughout this whole interview. Yeah, man. I appreciate your time, man. This is fun. I want to say thanks, man. Appreciate it.